Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Yes, a big hello to everyone out there. Happy New Year 2023 and it's Phil Pryor kicking things off for mornings to start things off for a couple of mornings at least filling in for Maddie White. Hello to all our wonderful listeners out there. Get set because it is the new year and we've got a big show to kick things off as well as mentioned here for the next couple of mornings. And uh, looking forward to engaging with all our listeners out there that uh, are loyal enough to be joining us this early in the new year as well. 0457 736 736, that text line, of course, and we'll hopefully get things fired up. And uh, even though it is a public holiday, just January 2 at this stage right now, there's a lot going on in the world of sport as there very generally is. Uh, There's a massive game happening right now in the NFL. Green Bay Packers trying to keep their playoff hopes alive in a NFC North showdown with the Minnesota Vikings. We'll be keeping a close eye on that along with the Jets and Seattle Seahawks. They're both still in the playoff hunt as well. Must win games there in the NFL. It's been a massive week 17 to kick things off in the morning. And so much else going on around the traps as well. Some EPL results to catch up on from overnight. Some controversy in the Big Bash, which, of course, we will be getting to as well. Uh, that Michael Nisa catch. Dear, oh, dear. What did you think about it? 0457 736 736. And uh, how about that knock from Josh Brown? Hello, Josh Brown. Uh, it's it's nice to it's nice to meet you, and that's going to give us a couple of ideas potentially for a, a talk topic this morning as well. How about late bloomers? What have we got out there? I was thinking, having a, a bit of a think about Can this. I just say and, a couple of things first off, and uh, and of course, uh, producer Chuck, he put forward. Well, how about Craig Simmons? If we're going to stick with uh, with Big Bash for just a moment, uh, if you remember him uh, breaking through. Uh, at the Scorchers. Now, we did a little bit of digging, some of the uh, the SEN staffers. Brandon Whedon is, uh, is one of the great ones as far as late bloomers are concerned. Being drafted to the Cleveland Browns back in 2012 as the oldest first-round selection ever at the age of 28, the quarterback Brandon Whedon, uh, if, you, if you remember him, played at uh, the Browns. Then he was with the Cowboys, the Houston Texans, the Tennessee Titans, and then back to the Texans to finish in 2018. So he was still around about five seasons ago in the NFL, bouncing around uh, as it was. That's one of the great ones. I thought of, uh, I suppose, Cody Walker, because he only emerged in the NRL at about the age of 25, 26. Uh, Mike Hussey, of course, uh, made every poster winner once he eventually broke his way into the Australian test team. But, I mean, he could have done some serious damage on the test circuit if he was able to to find a, a spot in that batting lineup a little bit earlier, but it was just so competitive back then, of course, with some of the, uh, you know, the the Aussie greats uh, that he was behind. So there are some examples. Who have you got out there, listeners? Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six late bloomers. 
that's where we're going to kick things off today. Now, we've got a big morning coming up on mornings with Phil Pryor. We've got a, a couple of big guests, Lockie McCurdy, the Code Sports cricket writer, coming up a little bit later in the first hour to chat through all things cricket. That's where, that's where we will be covering some of the controversy to come out of that uh, big bash game from overnight. Uh, overnight resu- Yesterday's results, of course, the Scorchers beating the Renegades before the Heat downed the Sixers uh, and plenty of... Uh, plenty more else coming up in that first hour as well. We've got Ben Graham to chat through NFL later on in the second hour. So by then we shall probably know more as far as how that Green Bay Minnesota game is going. Uh, San Francisco, they're up against the Las Vegas Raiders right now as well. Uh, not not as much playoff implications involved there. Yes, for the 49ers. No for the Raiders and, of course, uh, Derek Carr not with the team for these final two weeks with the Raiders. So that was an interesting development from during the week. But San Fran will be hoping to keep their uh, number one seed uh, hopes alive in the NFC race after the Philadelphia Eagles were surprisingly beaten by the New Orleans Saints earlier today. So Ben Graham's going to give us plenty on the NFL in that second hour. And we've got Adam Kosnick to chat through some A-League in the third hour as well. Don't forget today, Wellington up against the Melbourne, uh, Melbourne City at 1pm. So we're looking forward to that. We'll hear uh, some of his thoughts on that a little bit later on in the show in mornings. So there you go. Plenty happening. Who's got New Year's resolutions? one 1170 That's a call number. 0457-736-736. If you've got any New Year's resolutions you want to share with us, uh, maybe I can judge just how achievable they might be, but give me some context, of course, uh, as well. And how about your footy club? If you're, you know, just throwing it out there, say you're a para fan, what's, uh, what should the... Parramatta Eels New Year's resolution B? Is it to go one further than last season? Is it just to get back into, you know, prelim final week, I, I suppose, after a couple of uh, key losses to their, uh, to their roster ranks this season? If you're a big fan of a footy club, what should their New Year's resolution be? Let's hear it. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious for the, the Penrith Panthers. They've just got to go and get it again. But uh, yeah, it's, I suppose, a little bit more uh, grey area for a lot of teams in the NRL, um, for the AFL as well, the Sydney Swans, I suppose. What are their New Year's resolutions? You could say for the the men's program, it's uh, it's go one better. Like we just said with the Parramatta Reels a short time ago, that's certainly, a, a premiership is certainly on the Swans' radar. For the women's program, how about win a game? Maybe that's a good uh, New Year's resolution. Claim a maiden AFLW victory. Uh, in 2023. So give us your New Year's resolutions, listeners, for you or your club out there, and we'll see, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll see what we can come up with there. 0457 736 736 is that text line number. And uh, yeah, we've got, uh, so Chuck is our producer today. So we've got uh, controver- Charles's Controversy Corner uh, coming up in the, in the midpoint. Uh, of this first and second and third hour as well. So looking forward to having a bit of a chat with Chuck. We'll see if he can come up with some other late bloomers before then as well. And uh, yeah, we've got some some fun things happening a, a little bit later on in the uh, in this first hour as well. What I might do as well, if the, if time permits, is just run through some of the most, I suppose, unmissable sporting events of 2023. 
I've put together a bit of a list. So if there is time, that's what I might do. Um, and yeah, if there's look, if there's something out there, listeners, that uh, that you're just really looking forward to, let me know. We've got a Women's World Cup to look forward to down under. That's a massive one, of course. So that is something that we're um, that we're, that we're we're counting down towards the Rugby World Cup a little bit later on this year in France as well. There's another one, for example. So let me know. 0457 736 736. Just an update in this massive NFC North game. Green Bay, they're up 14 points to three over the Vikings. Just one minute left in this first quarter. It is Green Bay, the home side, driving with Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field. Uh, the countdown is is on before they will uh, change ends. They're, they're snapping the ball right at midfield now, first and 10. And they're up 14 points to three. But that Green Bay offense so far, they have no points. It was Keyshawn Nixon with the longest touchdown in the NFL this year coming out of his own end zone off the kickoff after Minnesota posted the first points in that game. Keyshawn Nixon, he went more than 100 yards uh, to take one to the house to get Green Bay on the board. And then Darnell Savage took an interception. on. He's one of the Green Bay uh, defense's safeties. So Rasul Douglas uh, with a... Uh, with a nice bat down and then it popped up into the hands of Doug, uh, of uh, Darnell Savage. He runs it in for a touchdown. So Green Bay have 14 points and it all comes from special teams and defenses. Aaron Rodgers takes a shot downfield. So it's now uh, third and six there. So we're going to be keeping a close eye on that one. A massive game in the NFL. Uh, the Jets and the Seahawks as well. We'll get, we'll get you an update on that one shortly as well. So much going on in week 17 of the NFL as teams try to book playoff spots or just keep their season alive. So much going on on mornings with Phil Pryor. Yeah. Hello. Welcome back to mornings with Phil Pryor filling in for Maddie White for the next couple of mornings as we kick off the new year with plenty of sport going on right now. There's no doubt about that. 0457 736 736 to text in nominations for great late bloomers after Josh Brown's uh, knock in the Big Bash last night. Let us know what you got. We will be chatting all things cricket with Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports uh, a little bit later on in this first hour on mornings. Green Bay up against Minnesota and uh, the Jets up against Seattle in in huge playoff implicated NFL games right now. So we're keeping a close eye on that as Green Bay they're now First and goal at the six-yard line to try and uh, bring up a three-score lead over their NFC North rivals. So we're keeping a close eye on that. Uh, just quickly, there, there there are some interesting storylines happening in Aussie sport right now. Uh, the Aussies, they're thinking about opting for a five-bowler lineup in the New Year's test at the SCG. All options remain open right now still, according to the Aussie camp. Now, Australia's upcoming tour of India, that adds serious intrigue to the conversation right now, addressing whether to see another spinner on Sydney's turn-friendly pitch now that they have wrapped up the series, of course, against South Africa 2-0 right now. So do they add another bowler? Do they select two regardless of whether or not they decide to go in with five bowlers? Those are the questions right now. Mitch Stark and Cam Green, of course, they have both been ruled out. Ashton Agar, he's been called into the squad along with Matt Renshaw as another batting option. So still plenty to digest and and discuss there, I I suppose. 
Um, so yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Now, I do believe we've got a caller on the line one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. If you want to get involved on the uh, in the conversation, uh, and a happy new year to John from Harrington Park. Maybe he's got a late bloomer. Good morning, Phil. How are you going? I'm good, John. Happy yourself? New year, mate. Thank you. You too. Very welcome. No worries, mate. Uh, couldn't have any more late bloomers than uh, uh, Cliffy Young, mate. Tell tell, uh, tell us about Cliffy Young, John. Cliffy Young, what what a legend, mate! <laughs> Honestly, if he started any earlier, he would have done more K's than uh, Forrest Gump. But uh, maybe um, didn't he? He went at Sydney to Melbourne, was it, or was it Melbourne to Sydney? Yeah, back just in the what eighties or something? Eighties, wasn't it? Albert. He was a Ernest Clifford Young, OAM. Uh, yeah, he was an Australian potato farmer. And uh, from Beach, Beach Forest, Victoria, uh, yeah, and was best known for his unexpected win of the inaugural Sydney to Melbourne ultramarathon in, in 1983 at the age of 61 years. That is a great nomination, John. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Yeah, look, he had the shuffle, but um, he kept shuffling, didn't he? <laughs> he shuffled all the way, all the way from Sydney to Melbourne. That's it. No, that's Thanks, uh, that's Thanks, great. Bill. That's Have a good. good one. Thank you, John. And, and it, it's just uh, it's got me thinking actually because there's a there's an unbelievable uh, marathon runner right now called Sinead Diver doing it for the Aussies. And uh, and speaking of late bloomers, she's 45 years of age now. Uh, originally from Ireland, by the way, but uh, became a, a an Australian citizen more recently. Uh, put up a, a great display. Uh, at the Tokyo Olympics, and I believe she only started running professionally quite recently. Uh, I'm just having a quick look online. Diver completed a, in in mar- a marathon event in both twenty in the World Championships 2015 and 2017. So yeah, I reckon her professional career might only, might only be seven or eight years old. So at the age of 45, so well well into her sort of mid to late 30s by the time she emerged. Now, of course, uh, long distance running is something that uh, you know lends itself to those those uh, more mature athletes. The the aerobic uh, sort of athletic events where it's no longer where you're not uh, relying on that sort of explosivity like you maybe perhaps once were. So yeah, a great shout there from, uh, from John from Harrington Park, uh, Cliffy Young, uh, Sinead Divers, a good shout as well. Late bloomers is our topic this morning. 0457 736 736 and new year's resolution. Hello to Mark who's texted one through on 0457 736 736 new year's resolution. West Tigers to make the top eight in the men's and the women's to win the comp in the NRLW. Yeah, the Tigers. They'll be one of the uh, one of the the teams competing in their maiden season. Uh, the Tigers in the on the women's side. So that that would be seriously some story, Mark, and for the Tigers to finally break through and end that finals drought. Uh, I did see one. Uh, bold predictions piece online in one of the Aussie publications for for NRL and and there and can you believe this? Some people are tipping the the Dolphins to make the top eight in their maiden voyage this season and the Tigers. 
So if you can believe that, I don't know who comes out, um, but yeah, that is uh, that would be truly something if Wayne Bennett can get the the Dolphins into the top eight in uh, in their first season. I don't see that happening uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Could the Tigers emerge and make it through? Well, they've certainly made some improvements to that forward pack over the off season. So look, stranger things have happened. We'll have to wait and see. They do need uh, they do need guys in key positions to step up. Upi Corusau at hooker will certainly provide that. Um, yeah, that forward pack does look a little bit stronger than it did. John Bateman, of course, one of the recent recruits confirmed now as well, coming back out from England. But question marks over the the health and fitness of his knee. So. I suppose we'll have to wait and see how how that looks as the preseason continues uh, to unravel itself. Uh, Isaiah Papali'i coming into the fold as well. So, yeah, interesting. Thank you for your text there, Mark. Uh, yeah, just uh, coming back to what's going on in the world of sport, the special case. They are set to defend their Australian Open doubles crown, uh, stating it'd be rude not to. That was the quote. But... Of course, for Nick Kyrgios and Tanasi Kokonakis, singles will be the priorities at Melbourne Park. But uh, but yeah, they're they're certainly keen to uh, to see if they can uh, go back to back and claim a doubles crown. One of the great stories of 2022 in sport, it must be said. Uh, Kokonakis, 93 in the world right now, has a wild card uh, to play in Adelaide this week. Of course, he won the Adelaide Open uh, last year, if you remember, uh, before sort of collapsing in, uh, in the early stages of the Australian Open singles draw. But uh, that was, a, that was a, a great story of January last year. So can he do that again? Nick Kyrgios plans to play in Adelaide as well, pending that ankle injury, of course, that saw him pull out from the United Cup last week. Uh, elsewhere, the, the last Sydney to Hobart uh, yacht crossed the finish line overnight with retirees Kathy Veal and Bridget Cannon arriving to a raucous crowd last night at 11.42 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. So, yeah, the Sydney to Hobart has uh, finally wrapped up. Two-time winner Toby Price is off to a great start in the Dakar Rally. Yeah, that's on again over in Saudi Arabia. Uh, he's won the prologue. The Aussie won, won the event back in 2016 and 2019. So just something else to keep track of in sport for January. Uh, EPL results from overnight. Tottenham went down to Aston Villa. Some surprise results as uh, as the APL uh, season resumes following, of course, uh, off the back of the World Cup. Uh, and Nottingham Forest held Chelsea to a one-all draw. So that from overnight, some interesting Premier League results, certainly. Uh, now, I mentioned off the top of the show, unmissable sporting events for 2023. There are some great ones. With, uh, and I'll put my money where my mouth is because we'll, we'll run through a, a couple of them just quickly. We've got a few minutes to do that. Um, now, what is the the thing that you are most looking forward to? Feel free to text that through on 0457 736 736. But of course, we've got the Australian Open tennis happening at Melbourne Park later on this month. It's always one of the big events on the sporting calendar every year, particularly uh, for those Victorians uh, down in Melbourne as well. They It's just such a great time to to be in Melbourne throughout the years, particularly that first week when there's all sorts of big names uh, hitting out on the on the outside courts. It's such a nice place to be at Melbourne Park. Um, so, yeah, very much looking forward to that and some of the lead-up events as well. They're always a, a lot of fun to track, and there's a, a few of them kicking off right now as well. Uh, now, in February, Australia, uh, the Australians tour India. As mentioned, there's four tests, 
and uh, implications as soon as a Jan 4 at, at the SCG, just to see ultimately what the selectors decide to do and whether whether or not they want to have a look at another spin-up because that is something that they might need to uh, to call upon over in India. Now, Mitchell Swepson, he, he could come in in the fold. Ashton Agar, of course, perhaps he's the other spinning option. Perhaps he's the Cam Green replacement as an all-rounder. We'll have to wait and see. Todd Murphy, another off-spinner, he's in the mix as well. Very much looking forward to seeing how that shakes out uh, and the knock-on effect of Australia touring India in uh, from Feb 9 through to March 22. Looking forward to that. The Women's T20 World Cup is in South Africa in February as well. And by the way, I should say most of this stuff, if not all of it, will be covered by SEN. So, yeah, all that great coverage will continue in March. The NRL season and the AFL seasons, they commence. The NRL season kicks off bright and early, March 2, Thursday night. That is the first game of the rugby league season. The AFL kicks off uh, a couple of weeks later, March 16. Looking forward to that. Now, the fourth uh, fourth stop on the Formula One tour is down under. March 30 to April 2nd, down in Melbourne, the Australian Grand Prix. Looking forward to that. Returning to Albert Park once again. Uh, and Aussie uh, Oscar Piastri is set to have a starting spot for McLaren in 2023, so this year. So very much looking forward to that. Dan Ricciardo, he'll be waiting in the wings as a reserve driver for Red Bull. So, yeah, we'll keep a close eye on that. In May, we've got the State of Origin at the end of May. That's one of the big ones on the calendar every year, of course, as well as the footy season is well and truly in full swing. In June, it's the World Test Championship final with with uh, Australia and almost uh, almost certain to book a, a maiden berth in that. That's going to be happening at Lords. Uh, d- uh, date and time to be confirmed and the Ashes. June 16 is when all that kicks off. So we have some massive test cricket around the corner in the first half of the year. We'll continue this uh, sometime later on in mornings. We do have to take a quick break now. It's mornings with Phil Pryor. And, uh, yeah, coming up, plenty more. Lockie McCurdy coming up as well, along with uh, Charles's Controversy Corner. Uh, we're going to be chatting some interesting cricket topics. Stay with us. Hello, Chuck. How's it going there? Uh, it's going well. Good morning and uh, happy new year to, to you, Phil, and to everyone listening as well. Indeed. It's time for Charles's Controversy Corner. Charles, Charlie, Chuck. I'm still trying to figure out exactly what we're going to go with, but uh, but yeah, there there has there was some controversy coming out of the Big Bash overnight, indeed. Yeah, there certainly was, and uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, get out from the rock that you've been sleeping <laughs> under and just have a look at this Michael Nisa catch. Uh, took uh, Jordan Silk, who was firing as well. The Sixers gave it everything last night, fell a couple runs short in a, in a pretty high-scoring game. We haven't seen too mm. many in the Big Bash this season, but what happened was that. Uh, Jordan Silk absolutely smashed it to the boundary and Nisa took a really good outfield catch but of course his momentum was taking him over. He tries to chuck it back back in but then realises that his momentum has put the ball uh, out into the boundary and then he's outside of the boundary rope and then he leaps up in the air so his feet aren't touching the ground, grabs the ball, throws it back in and then takes the catch in the field of play. Now, just straight away everyone's just like, well, that has to be six, it's not a catch. By the laws of cricket, it is a catch. And I actually had a look at the laws before uh, getting in this morning just to make sure. Wow, you've and really done your research. I sure have. And this is the definition of the rule. 
and this is by uh, this is from the MCC. They sent this out last are they, night. Are there cobwebs on this uh, rule book? Yeah, yeah just let me. <laughs> just dusting it off. Um, so the first contact must be inside the boundary. So that's when you catch it. Okay. And then the fielder can't be touching the ball and the ground beyond the boundary at the same time. So basically, yeah, you just can't be mm. touching the ball uh, outside when you first throw it up to bring it in. And then once you're trying to bring it back into play, uh, you just can't be touching the ground. And we actually saw this a couple of years ago uh, with the Brisbane Heat as well. Matthew Renshaw did something similar where he palmed it off to a teammate who was yeah. running outside. M- Matty Renshaw was like, well, look, I don't really know. Yeah. Um, and they sent upstairs and, yeah, it was confirmed out. So, And I, I feel yeah. like we've seen a few other near examples uh, in the last couple of years as well. And yep. and I, I, I can't speak specifically, but I can just recall in those moments thinking, thank God that that wasn't eventually caught because it's just one of the dumbest rules in, in world sport. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So at the end of the day, the definition in the laws of cricket is that it is a fair catch. I just think it opened up Pandora's box. Oh. Like, could he just hop around the entire ground <laughs> of, of the Gabba, theoretically just keep hopping it up and not catching it and throw it back into play and catch it? By the laws that I just read out, he could. Yes. And I think that's absolutely farcical and ridiculous. So I think what needs to happen is that the laws of cricket need to be changed and said that once you've passed the boundary rope, even if you hop it back in, it, it has to be a six. You can't just have scenes yeah. like I just described, which look a bit hyperbolic, yeah. a bit, you, <laughs> a bit it, out look, of there. If, but, if you make contact yeah. outside the rope or on the rope, you need to get both feet back in bounds and make contact in the field of play before you can touch the ball again. That's It's just, it has to be as simple as that. Yeah. And I, I think what would be much better is that, you know, you're leaning over the rope, your two feet are still in and have to try and catch it and reel it in. I think that should be a catch. I just think last night, yes, in the laws of cricket, it shouldn't be a catch. Uh, oh, it is a catch, but it shouldn't be. We, we need to yeah. change the laws. Like credit to Nisa. This is obviously not on him. He what he did was uh, was fantastic, um, but we need to change. We need that rule changed asap because yeah. it yeah it's farcical. And where the controversy comes in, I, I thought I was completely. I thought everyone was on the same page with this. Like you and I, Phil. I think everyone in the office is pretty on the same page that yeah, like it's a, it's a fair catch. Shouldn't be. Yeah. Twitter says no. Like I've been having a look at all the social reactions. Says no, it's in the laws of the game. Just keep it the way it is. And I just think it opens such a grey area than your suggestion. Just have two feet in bounds. Well, I, well, I don't disagree with that sentiment. Yeah. I mean, it's the rule is the rule. Like, yeah, yeah. But uh, but the rule's stupid. That's the, the, the rule. The rule is stupid. Line. But I, I'd, I'd be interested to throw this out to anyone listening. Give us a call. Give us a text. Should should the law be changed, or do you think the catch was a fair catch? Even if you don't agree with, with the law, should it be a fair catch? And mm. would you change it? Would you not? Give, give, share us your thoughts because yeah. it's really interesting. I love these things that come up in, in cricket or with any sport mm. where something is in the laws of the game but is in the spirit of the game. Similar to the man-cad situation. Just interested to get part of that. Part of our off-air discussion earlier was also around the fact that this this law was uh, you know was written when we didn't really have ropes. It was a fence. It was the fence, yeah. And that was it. That was the boundary. That rule makes a bit more sense when there's just a fence to contend with. But the way that the ropes are these days, and um, you know, for for players, there's no fear of a, a fence to get in the way. You know, they they're, they're obviously attacking um, 
the way that they field and, and attacking the rope a lot more than what they used to be. And you see some unbelievable efforts on that rope as well. And some of the, some of the great cricketing highlights of the last 10 years or since the big bashes, uh, you know, has, has sort of become a thing since T20 cricket has become a thing. And these one percenters have become more important out on the boundary. You see some wonderful plays, but we see them without this rule needing to rear its ugly head. So there is a middle ground that we can absolutely find, I would have thought. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Phil. I think you summed it up perfectly. Indeed. Uh, now, we've been keeping a bit of an eye this morning, mate, on the uh, on the NFL. Green Bay, they're driving once again up 17-3 over the Minnesota Vikings. They're doing well. Seattle, they're up over the New York Jets by a couple of scores as well. So, um, so a couple of teams in the NFC playoffs mix stepping up right now. It's the LA Chargers up 14-10 over the LA Rams in that all-LA affair. But the Chargers, they've already clinched a playoffs berth. And the Rams, well, their fate has already been sealed as well. So it is this uh, Green Bay Vikings game and the Jets Seattle games that we're keeping a particularly close eye on. And Green Bay, that once again, uh, Minnesota, they were in opposition territory with possession and Kirk Cousins threw an interception safety, Adrian Amos coming away with it. So Green Bay are now back uh, deep in Vikings territory and looking to extend to a th- make this a three possession game up 17 points to three. So massive ramifications there. We saw Tampa Bay and Tom Brady secure a a playoffs uh, berth earlier. They were down 14 nil to the Carolina Panthers before coming back Brady and Mike Evans, three touchdown receptions for Mike Evans and uh, claiming a little bit of NFL history on top of that as well. Yeah, look, it's it's been a while coming. Uh, I should say I'm a Patriots slash Tom Brady fan, so I'll <laughs> always just uh, worship him wherever he goes. But it's been a pretty tough year for Tampa Bay. I feel like they've always, as I, I think I see Phil fist pumping in the studio, they can only mean one thing, a, a Green Bay touchdown. Robert Tonyan, baby. He's in for the score. So Green Bay 23-3 with the extra point to come. Green Bay, they are well and truly on a roll on a roll. And one of the other big results from earlier today was the Washington commanders somehow managing to lose against a Cleveland Browns team that had very little to play for. Uh, but look, it doesn't surprise me because that Washington franchise is just an absolute basket case. But, uh, but yeah, so green Bay's destiny is now in their own hands, beat Minnesota this week, beat Detroit next week. And they're well on their way to, to half of that. But uh, thank you. Charles Controversy Corner. That was a big one. 0457 736 736 to have your say. Uh, with you, of course, filling in for Matty White for the next couple of mornings. 0457 736 736 is that text line. And we've had a couple come in about the cricket rules relating to Michael Neese's catch for the heat last night. Just quickly, the old Aces says cricket rules, they need to change the backyard rule of. Uh, of catch it one-handed off the roof. A six is a six in my book. Uh, And Matt says, stupid rules should be like the NFL, two feet down with control in the field of play. That's a catch and you're out. That's what Matt says. I agree with Matt. Let's hear what Lockie McCurdy, code sports cricket writer, uh, let's hear what he has to say. He joins us on the line now. How are you, Lock? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Phil. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, mate. Yeah, that's been one of the, the controversial topics from overnight. Of course, uh, Michael Nisa taking a, a catch in the field of play, chucking it up in the air, uh, his weight going over the rope 
and then jumping into the air as he then grabs it and throws it back into the field of play before completing the catch. What do you think about this? Look, it definitely, uh, for me, it's not a good look in terms of that shouldn't be what cricket's about, that you've got the rule there, of course, and Michael Neeser, I think, has to be applauded for going. He did a fantastic job of completing a catch that was 100% within the rules of the game as they're written. But when you've got a guy that's over the boundary rope, has taken, I think it was 11 steps over the boundary rope, but has just jumped up in the air for a split second, sure, it's great to celebrate how well he was able to time it and everything like that, but it just doesn't look like a catch, does it, when he's over the Mm. boundary rope. It's a... Yeah, one of those ones that you, you have to celebrate Michael Neeser for what he was able to do, but whether we should be allowing people to do that in the future, I'm, I'm just not sure. What do you think the rules should be going forward if you're going to have it changed? I don't mind the whole batting it back, falling or momentum taking over the rope and then sort of jumping back into the field of play. I know a lot of people are talking about, okay, they have to have two feet on the ground inside the boundary rope before they can then complete the catch. I don't think it needs to go that far, but we've seen a few examples already this season where you've got a guy who's in the air or making that jump back into the field of play, then takes the catch and then grounds his feet. I just think that the main way the rule can can be reworded is that once the ball is in the air, that the next time you touch the ball, you cannot then touch your feet outside the boundary. I think that's going to be the best way to do it. I, I think so. I, I just don't think it needs to be complicated. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's review this. Cricket laws, please. Mm. I don't know. That sounds like a, a nasty process, but <laughs> something's got to give, um, in, my, in my opinion. Uh, now, one of our topics from today has been late bloomers. Off the back of Josh Brown last night for the Brisbane Heat, 62 runs off 23 at the top of the order for Brisbane, helping them secure their highest ever BBL total. I mean, it was an incredible game, full stop. It's awesome when you get over 400 runs in a a big bash encounter. Not so good if you're a a bowling enthusiast, I suppose, but five for 224, and he got them off to an absolute flyer. Uh, This this is an unbelievable story. Yeah, it's fantastic, and you've got a guy who has been – um, fantastic for Northern Districts up in up in the Brisbane Premier Cricket Competition for some time. He's had um, some really good red ball form, but earlier in the season, sort of around that October mark, really kind of lit it up in the 2020 format of the game. He had, I think there was 150 off 50-something balls, and he had another 140 off 60-odd balls. So he, he's a guy who, who's proven that he can hit a ball a long way and consistently. And the Heat were quite strong this season in terms of saying, OK, we've got two spots in our squad for guys who have impressed in the Queensland Premier Competition. And it's really great to see that that form has been rewarded and that that form does translate into the big bash, that it's not always going to be about the big names, the, the big internationals. So we've got guys like Josh Brown who can come out and, and really make a name for themselves, even though he didn't have a, a name on the back of his shirt last night. Yeah, big time, big time. No doubt about that. Uh, look, we'll leave the, the the big bash there. I know we've got uh, we've got a, a game later today, Hobart and Adelaide tonight. But I I want to get your thoughts on uh, on this Aussie Test lineup. Mm-hmm. Jan four at the SCG kickoff uh, for the third Test against South Africa. 
and all options remain on the table, according to uh, inside the the Aussie camp. They potentially might play five bowlers at the SCG. Of course, Mitch Stark and Cam Green, they've been ruled out. What have you heard and what do you think will happen with this Aussie test lineup with the context, of course, of four tests in India next month? Yeah, I think that context is going to be very important that we've kind of, obviously Ashton Agar has been brought into the squad with an eye to that India series. You've got a great left-arm bowler. His height obviously brings it at a different angle and he's the sort of guy who you'd imagine would have a great impact on the subcontinent if he gets that chance again, even though he hasn't kind of played a test since when the Aussies were over in Bangladesh last. So, yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see. I think a lot's going to depend on how the pitch looks in the next couple of days. I mean, we obviously saw what happened at the Gabba, how, how green that deck was, and that was a match influenced by the bowlers. But the SCG so far, I've been to the last couple of Big Bash games there. They've used different wickets across each one, and the bounce has been quite varied. There's been a, a fair bit of uh, the ball turning and, and kind of holding up in the pitch quite nicely for the spinner. And the last Sheffield Shield match we saw there, I think, Chris Green in his debut took nine wickets. Um, so, yeah, I think it's definitely going to be one that, unless something changes dramatically, that it's going to be one of the more spin-friendly SCG pitches we, we have seen in a while. And for that reason, you'd think Ash Nagar would come in. And the most likely scenario for that is Alex Carey to, to move up to six, take Cam Green's spot in the batting order, and then Ash Nagar would be at number seven there. So uh, a more than capable batter in his own right. And then the other talk is what's happening with the quicks. Obviously, Lance Morris, there's yeah. a lot of talk that he, he is going to be brought into this test side. And I think that'll be probably the, the last decision they make because you've obviously got Josh Hazelwood there who um, is set to chat to a few media today and, and they'll be training at the SCG this afternoon. So it'll be their first chance to to really look at the pitch, look at the conditions and go, do we want a, a like-for-like for Stark in terms of a guy who can hit 150 k's an hour consistently or do we want the metronomic Josh Hazelwood who you know what you're going to get? But as you mentioned, they, they could be the off chance they don't bring Agar in as well. Um, that They could go Bowen, Hazelwood, Cummins and Morris, uh, a four-seam attack. So, mm. yeah, lots of options on the table for them but I think the pitch is going to... Uh, influence which way they go. Yeah, so they'll, they'll wait to see what the conditions are. Now, we've only got about 20 seconds, Lockie, but uh, do you know when, when they'll, they'll ultimately make a decision? What we've seen is that they usually do it 24 hours before. That's when they kind of lean. Uh, so hopefully we'll hear from Pat Cummins tomorrow and we'll kind of get a, a sense of what the team will be. Okay, there you go. Stay tuned for that. Lockie McCurdy, Code Sports cricket writer. Uh, a big thank you to him for joining us on the line. It's Phil Pryor with you on Mornings on SEN, and I'll be back shortly. Yeah, welcome back to Mornings with Phil Pryor, filling in for Matty White for the next couple of mornings and that just about does us for this first hour a big thank you to Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports for coming on before to chat all things cricket it has got uh, the text line fired up a little bit with regards to that issue from last night with uh, Michael Neese's catch as the heat took down the sixes in that uh, run fest uh, but there was at that moment, of course, and there's been a couple of people texting in about it as well. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. If you want to uh, want to have your say on that, uh, and I'll get to a couple of those in just a moment. Now to kick things off in the second hour, I'm going to continue my uh, just run through of the some of the most unmissable 
sporting events of 2023. Get out your, your black books or your diaries. Make sure you make note of what is happening in the second half of the year. I went up to June, so I'll do the rest after the break. And, uh, yeah, we've also got some open slather. So make sure you get your mobiles ready and give us a call, 1300 01 1170 0457 736 736 is that text line as well. Halftime in that uh, NFL game, the Packers, they are on a roll, 27 points to three over the Vikings. And uh, we'll give you some updates as far as that is concerned. Phil Pryor with you on mornings. Yeah, Phil Pryor on mornings to kick off the new year. Jan 2 into the second hour on mornings as well, filling in for Matt White over the next couple of mornings. Hello to all our listeners tuning in and those that are engaging on the text line as well as we unpack some of the more controversial and uh, I suppose topical things that have happened in sport over the last 24 hours. And there's some uh, some massive NFL action going on right now, week 17 with playoff spots on the line. Now, of course, don't forget, you can stream every NFL game this season live on NFL Game Pass. Visit nflgamepass.com if you're interested in doing that uh, right now in the NFL it's Seattle taking on the New York Jets in a game that has massive playoff ramifications for both of these teams that entered week 17 at seven wins, eight losses. And it's Seattle doing most of the damage so far, quarterbacked by Geno Smith. They're up 17-6, fourth down now, deep in Jets uh, territory. So it looks like uh, they might take the field goal and look to extend out to a 20 points to six lead over the New York Jets and that it would be massive trouble for this uh, team from New York who need a win to keep their playoff hopes alive. It is plain and simple for the New York Jets who were showing so much promise mid-season before things uh, things started to really fall off. As for the Green Bay Packers, they looked all but done and dusted about four or five weeks ago. Uh, they only had about four or five wins, but since then they've collected some wins, had their bye week as well, getting healthier and they're looking pretty good. And after the Washington Commanders lost earlier on today to a Cleveland Browns team that had really nothing to play for apart from pride, it means that the Packers' destiny is in their own hands. This was a team that had a lot of promise coming into the season in the NFC race, even without Devontae Adams anymore, their star-wide receiver who's been uh, making catches all year and even today for uh, the Las Vegas Raiders in a massive off-season blockbuster trade. But even still, everyone thought the Packers, they could do something. Well, they are doing plenty today. There's no doubt about that. It's halftime in the game in that NFC North showdown with the Vikings. Halftime, they lead 27 points to three at Lambeau Field. It's cold up there in Green Bay today. And the Vikings, they look pretty cold as well. Green Bay, they've got a touchdown on special teams from defense and from offense now. So they are absolutely doing it all there right now. Even Mason Crosby kicked a, a year-long 56-yarder right on the buzzer to give them a, an extra three points, their kicker, and it, it bounced off the crossbar and over. So they can do no wrong right now, the Green Bay Packers. So we're keeping a close eye on that. The Raiders, they are up for the fight against this against a, a really strong San Francisco 49ers team. They lead 24-21 midway through the third quarter. And it, it sets up a world where we saw the Philadelphia Eagles, the top seed in the NFC, lose earlier today. 
imagine the San Francisco 49ers and Minnesota Vikings also somehow managed to lose the top three teams in the NFC. Things are getting a little bit crazy over there in the States. There's no doubt about that. Now, back on this cricket topic from earlier, the Nisa catch. That's what we've been trying to unpack so far. And yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear any more thoughts that you might have out there. 0457 736 736. Do we need to change the rules? Does cricket, uh, do, do the laws need to change? That's what we're, we're asking this morning. And uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing some thoughts. The other big to- talking point out of the Heat's win over the Sixers last night was late bloomer Josh Brown. That was our talk topic to kick off the show. Any late bloomers? Uh, people like Brandon Whedon, who was drafted age 28 to the Cleveland Browns, a quarterback who wrapped up his NFL career about five years ago. Craig Simmons in the Big Bash from years gone past at the Perth Scorchers and then the Adelaide Strikers as well. Stetson Bennett to throw in another one, uh, a college late bloomer, if you don't mind, the, the quarterback of Georgia. They're through to the, the national championship after beating Ohio State yesterday in the Peach Bowl Stetson Bennett, get this, this dude, this quarterback, he's 25. <laughs> he's the same age as Sam Darnold. Uh, he's the same age as Lamar Jackson, and he's still playing college football. Uh, he, I, I believe he will uh, try and get drafted uh, this year, uh, but still 25 years of age. That is a late bloomer as far as college football is concerned. Michael Hussey, as far as test cricket is concerned. Josh Brown did it last night with a, a massive knock for the Heat as they went five for 224 and uh, knocked off the strikers in a game that had over 430 runs. Now, Matt, he loves it. He loves what Josh Brown did last night. Phil, a lot of people bag the big bash, but Josh Brown was what it's all about. I love seeing these club journeymen making their mark. His performance last night was the highlight of this season's televised cricket. That's what Matt says. Uh, and uh, thank you for your text, Matt. And yeah, no, you're right. It, it's uh, it's one of the great, great stories. So for, <laughs> the best story of the year so far, <laughs> 2023. Uh, now, Mark, he's texted in as well, still on cricket. Cricket's all the rage right now, of course, in the world of sport. But back to the test setup and selection ahead of Sydney. There's a lot to consider with this uh, four-test India series around the corner, of course, as well. And a spin-friendly wicket, it looks like they're rolling out at Moore Park as well. Mark says, no one said it. I think they're actually going to rest Bolland and have Hazelwood, Cummins and Lance Morris with Lyon and Agar pushing Carey up at six. Yeah, there has been talk of a five-bowler attack for Australia in this uh, test that... You know, I suppose doesn't mean a hell of a lot, given that the series has been wrapped up. Do they push Alex Carey up to six, coming off his maiden test century in Melbourne, and then play Ashton Agar at seven? And then you've got Pat Cummins at eight, Nathan Lyon in one of, in one of those other positions as well. That leaves two more ball, bowling options. You would think Hazelwood comes into the reckoning. So then is it Scott Boland... Is it Lance Morris if they just want some raw speed? Or I suppose, Mark, to go back at you, no one said this. Do they play Agar and a third spinning option? Maybe maybe a leg spinning option of Mitchell Swepson. 
Un- uh, probably not, you would think. Uh, most likely, no. But maybe. Maybe they just think that this is an absolute turner. And, you know, you can get uh, Agar and, and Nathan Lyon, you know, sort of coming off those, uh, off the, you know, they're, they're both tall, uh, pretty tall. They've got that, that high delivery get the ball bouncing in, into the pitch, even with a fairly new ball. Why not? And then you've got Swepson to come in, uh, you know, later on in the first innings and and perhaps on day four, day five, uh, and throw down some leggies. It's uh, not completely out of the question, I suppose. Agar can bat. So him coming in at seven, it's not the end of the world. Even Pat Cummins at eight. So, look, it is something that the Aussies are still considering. And uh, Code Sports writer Lockie McCurdy confirmed that they'll probably make that call uh, early in that first hour, he confirmed that they'll probably make that decision about 24 hours before the start on Jan 4 at the SCG. So stay tuned for that. We've got Ben Graham to chat more NFL a little bit later on. Uh, and we've got some open slather as well. If you want to call or text us in, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy coming up. 0457 736 736 is that text line number. Late bloomers. Who have you got? Text us through. It's Phil Pryor with you on mornings. Yeah, Phil Pryor with you on mornings on this uh, New Year edition uh, on SEN as well. It's January 2. Happy New Year to everyone out there. I hope you all had a good New Year's Day, and I hope your January 2 day is, uh, has started well also. Uh, now, just a quick on this day for everyone out there. This is uh, This is a good one, actually. Uh, on this day, Jan 2, back in 1992, Shane Warne made his test debut against India at the SCG. A young Aussie, Aussie spinner with plenty of promise named Shane Warne emerged to test cricket. And, uh, well, we know what happened from there. So, yeah, what a day, January 2. Uh, and, uh, yeah, of course, uh, the SCG test, it did used to start a little bit earlier on in January. Uh, but <clears throat> this year, pardon me, January 4 is where it all gets underway. That's been one of our main talking points this morning, of course, with uh, plenty of question marks as far as how the uh, the Australia's 11 will look like with Mitchell Stark and Cam Green both ruled out and, uh, and, and looking as though there's going to be pl- plenty of turn in that SCG pitch as they're you know, very normally is, I suppose. Now, just a quick one. Now, this tweeted out from, I suppose, the the godfather of SEN, uh, Craig Hutchison, looking forward to bringing real-time audio on mobile via the SEN app to the S- to the SCG uh, and the SEN world. Uh, a must if headed to the SCG. Take your AirPods and enjoy. That's what Hutchie uh, tweeted out. So it, just to confirming what that means is if, if you go to, and this technology will be rolled out presumably in the footy season, of course, as well, AFL and NRL. But if if you go to the game, you can get audio in real time. There's no delay on the stream. Um, it's, a, it's a live product. So that is a, a great advancement in terms of just, a, I suppose, experiencing live sport in venue. So, yeah, if, uh, if that's on the cards, if you're heading to the SCG test at any stage, make sure you are across that um, because, you know, it's obviously great news as far as SEN is concerned, but it's just great news as far as uh, as far as far uh, sporting experience is concerned. Uh, technology, uh, it's here and now. So that's, uh, that's a good one to get you across. Now, 
in that first hour, I unpacked the first half of the year as far as unmissable sporting events for 2023 is concerned. Let's just quickly continue that. So I mentioned in June, there's some massive cricket things to look forward to. We're going to have the footy season in full swing by then. We've got State of Origin to look forward to in June as well. But we've got the Ashes kicking off on June 16 over in England. Very much looking forward to that. And there's also at Lords the World Test Championship final. Australia, they're almost certain to book a maiden berth in the second ever World Test Championship final. Uh, They've been dominant and productive uh, right across 2022 in the test, uh, in test cricket. Now, who will they play against? Probably India, making uh, that clash pretty mouthwatering, it must be said. So, not confirmed, but likely. It would. It, it's uh, It's quite possible that it's going to be Australia v India in the World Test Championship final mid-year. That would be a bell ringer. July, I mentioned this off the top of the hour, the FIFA Women's World Cup down under July 20 through to August 20. So a full month of Women's World Cup footballing action. It, it just is one of the biggest sporting events to come down under since the Sydney 2000 Olympics. We just cannot wait for it. And I suppose off the back of the Socceroos momentum uh, in the, the recent World Cup in Qatar, now it's the Matildas' turn on home soil, a chance to see all the world's best women's footballers uh, in your own backyard. Yeah, and the Matildas, they've got a, a massive chance, you know, I suppose with the added benefit of home crowds, So that's just, it's going to be massive. The Matildas, they've got group stage matches in Sydney, Brisbane and Melbourne. And the final will be taking place uh, in Sydney, uh, out at Homebush on August 20. So we cannot wait for that. Now, South Africa, they host a couple of big sporting events this year. We mentioned one a little bit earlier on, the Women's uh, World Cup in cricket. They've also got the Netball World Cup. At Cape Town, South Africa, July 28 to August 6. So there you go. So uh, the Netball World Cup is happening over in South Africa, uh, kicking off in late July through to August. Also in August, the FIBA World Cup. So basketball in the Philippines, Japan, and Indonesia from August 25 to September 10. So plenty of huge World Cup action to look forward to. And uh, yeah, you might... Recall that Australia and Spain uh, uh, deep in that uh, World Cup race uh, about four years ago. So can Australia go one better? They're going to have an unreal lineup. So really looking forward to seeing how that all shakes out. More NBA experience for some key Aussies as they, uh, you know, before they will rejoin the Boomers fold and see what they can do in that uh, FIBA World Cup. September, the Rugby World Cup. It's just World Cup season. The Rugby World Cup over in France kicking off on September 8, going through to October 28. And the Wallabies, they have built some momentum as well. There's no doubt about that. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that. Uh, I suppose uh, just to stay tuned because there's going to be more tests before the World Cup as well as they continue to to grow and to, to rise, I suppose. But... The Wallabies, they are building some momentum. They are a chance of getting through to a final. 
by the time that uh, the World Cup hits in France later on this year. More development through the Super Rugby this season. And then let's just see what happens. October, it's the Cricket World Cup in India. Massive, uh, big there. So Australia will return to India in in October after playing test matches there early in in the year. The ODI World Cup, uh, aiming to return to the final after missing out in 2019. In November, it's the Melbourne Cup on uh, November 7, of course, this year. The race that does stop the nation, always one of the biggest sporting events in November. So we couldn't go past there uh, on my list as far as uh, unmissable sporting events in 2023. And then in December, Australian, uh, it's the Australia Women's Tour of India. So there's a lot of cricket going on involving the Aussies over in India and involving India. um, And uh, later this year, to be determined exactly when that will kick off. But boy, oh boy, there, there is some big sporting events on the cards. There's no doubt about that. Uh, looking forward to all of that. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. So much to look forward to. 0457 736 736. Text in if you've got any uh, thoughts or what you're looking forward to the most across 2023. And a uh, happy new year to all. Uh, yeah, Phil Pry with you on mornings. <laughs> Yeah, well, welcome Charles Goodsir back into the fold, our producer for another edition of Charles's Controversy Corner. Just very quickly, Chuck, before we get to you, I did say the the World Test Championship final at Lords. That was just a brain fart. It's at the Oval mid-year. Yep. So looking forward to that. Just, uh, just clarifying that for the listeners out there. But hello, Chuck. Another Controversy Corner is upon us for this second hour. It was Big Bash in the first hour with the Nisa catch. What have we got now? It's Big Bash again, but I'm going something slightly different. So I love cricket. I live and breathe it. And despite the Big Bash, you know, diminishing year on year, I still really enjoy it. I think it was the perfect thing when I was hungover sitting on my couch yesterday afternoon, just woke up. Oh, there's a bit of Big Bash on. It was an afternoon game. I'm um, Renegades, Perth Scorcher. So it's the perfect entertainment across the summer. I do enjoy that it's on every night. But what I don't enjoy at the moment are the very low scores. Mm. So I've always been a big proponent in T20 cricket of just have a hidden giggle, just bash like (laughs) crazy. And I look at the early games uh, in T20 cricket, uh, thinking back to 2007 Australia versus England when they had Church on the back of uh, Gilly's, Gilly's jersey. They had Punter. They just can't do it as a joke, <laughs> nicknames. And Took sc- the piss. Yeah, exactly. And they score, um, you know, first innings totals of 180, 200 plus on yeah. more occasions than not. And after last night, how can you how can you argue? Well, last night's the anomaly uh, of those really high 220, 200, 220 plus scores. But I've, I've done a bit of calculations and the average score for the Big Bash uh, from BBL 1 to BBL 11 is around 159. Yep. This year, it's around 135 for an innings total. And I will say the Sydney Thunder's innings of 15 <laughs> I was about to say. definitely brought down that yeah. average. But have a look through any of the scores at the moment. You're getting a lot of 130s, uh, 120s, 140, 150s are winning you most games now. And mm. I think it's, as a cricket lover, you, you love a good contest between bat and ball. But for T20, you want to see loads of runs, uh, batters going off, going crazy, loads of wickets. So, if, you know, the 15 was 
incredible. That was amazing watching. You didn't Good even drama. To, you didn't even have to watch a KO mini to you just watch the whole second <laughs> innings of the Sydney Thunder. But I think my point my point is is that we need to start introducing rules or make corrections to things so that we can have biggest scores. And I'm not just saying runs for runs' sake because it already I'm a bowler myself and it already is a baddest game. <sighs> But I don't this think... Is, this is where the controversy yeah, bit comes I, in, clearly. Yeah, I, I don't think we're engaging anyone new or any people sort of on the fence to go to a game at the SCG where it's going to be 138 plays 133. So what kind of rules are we talking about? Because if I know the SEN listeners, then they're, they're not going to like <laughs> different rules coming in for, you know, specifically for T20 to boost run scores up. I think get rid of the power surge. I think in so at the moment you've got the the four power players at the start, and then you yep. can do a, a a lot of two. I think post uh, the ten over mark, and it always happens in like the fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth over. Just go back to the normal stuff. Just go back to six power play overs, where you get off to ten with a good start, and then you kind of go consolidate through the middle and go crazy at the end. I think just implement that back in. I think get rid of that half time. Let's call it what it is, a spade of spades, an ad break. It's basically just to put more sponsorship. Just get rid of that. Get rid of all the delays in the game and just have a continuous 20 overs. So do you think that impacts the batting team's momentum? I think it does. And I think it also allows uh, the the bowling team to, yeah, just pick and choose and have like a bit of a timeout where they say, all right, I suppose, well, you know, take away the a, a strategic element to what the, the fielding team can decide to do. Yeah, exactly. It's a bit like in the NFL calling, uh, you know, icing a kicker and calling a timeout and before they're about to kick a winning field goal and then just let them sweat on a little bit more. I think that's what that little break in the in the 10 over period does. It also is just, as a fan watching, just bowl. Shut up and bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah. I, I But I, I don't want to introduce new rules or like gimmicky rules like we had, like the, you know, the X factor or... <laughs> And the the bash boost point, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I think, yeah, just consolidate what we had previously because I think the best seasons of the Big Bash were BBL like oh five oh six, I think, and that's when you started getting those high scores, and that's when it was just six hours power play, mm. no break in the middle, just swing and hit. Yeah, simple's better. Yeah, and, and T twenty cricket is a very simple game. We don't need any of these gimmicky rules. Just get back to what it was. I agree. And look, there, I know that there are some cricket purists out there that love a, an even contest for bat and ball, but it's it's really hard to to argue what's a better product for the, the casual fan. Is it, you know, the game from earlier on where the Scorchers beat the Renegades or last night's game where the Heat and the Sixers put on a combined 430-odd runs? Yeah, I I know as like my girlfriend not into cricket at all. We were watching that game earlier, the Scorchers Renegades, and she's like, "Oh, she's getting even more bored." She was going back to sleep, and we had just woken up from the night before. She's uh, yeah. she's a keeper. She, yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, we put that other game on later that night, and we watched the last ten overs uh, because it was just so enthralling. That sixes innings, even though they fell short they were going for it they didn't just limp to 120 150 they put in a pretty solid effort and mm. got bowled out for over 200 
and she was entertained the whole time. She was asking me loads of questions, which never happens. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's the better product for the casual fan, which is what the Big Bash is all about: is getting people that don't go to the Test cricket to come and just watch a bit of hit and giggle. Yeah, the shootouts. That's a, the same in in other sports as well. Shout out to my mate Dame, who's uh, listening actually from Adelaide, and uh, he's been getting into the the NFL and the and the football and stuff uh, more so this season than any previous time, and. He even watched the the college football playoff games from yesterday. Win, a, win and you're into the college football championship, the national championship. And these two games yesterday were just ridiculous. The first game, you have the two-seed Michigan up against the three-seed TCU. TCU end up winning this game 51 to 45. Defense was optional. In the second game, you've got the top-seed Georgia up against the four-seed Ohio State. So the winners of these two games, you're in into the national championship. Ohio State end up missing uh, on the final drive a field goal, giving Georgia the one seed the win, 42 to 41. These games, there was barely any defense played, but they were so easy to watch. <laughs> yeah, and it reminds me of that, um, that Chiefs-Rams game from a couple of years oh, back. That one season. of the greats. Yeah, like as a defensive player, when I play AFL, rugby, anything like that, of course I love the defense aspect of it, but... To get someone new to a game, you want to see exciting, and that inevitably is just high scores. So I think the Big Bash needs to get back to a, needs to find a way to get back to these high scoring games. Indeed, thank you, Charles. Another edition of Controversy Corner. There, just coming back to the NFL with some massive uh, games happening right now. Week seventeen, the Chargers they are up by a couple of scores over the Rams in that all LA affair, but. Not a whole lot to play for there. The Seattle Seahawks, 7-8 and eight, up against the 7-8 and eight New York Jets. They've just uh, Jason Myers has just missed a field goal attempt. It's 20 points to 6, Seattle over the Jets. So the Jets still with a, a minor sniff, but Seattle well and truly looking the goods there, which would eliminate the Jets from the AFC playoff race. Uh, and Seattle, they would still have, a, have some level of hope heading into week 18 of securing an NFC playoff berth. Uh, now, Destiny is in Green Bay's hands after that Washington Commanders lost to the Cleveland Browns earlier on. And they are looking very, very good up against the Minnesota Vikings as well. Looks like it might be the end of the third quarter there, just uh, just on a at a, at a glance. Um, so, yeah, Green Bay, that they're up by a, a few scores in that game over the Vikings right now as well. And if they win this and then Detroit next week, uh, they are going through to the playoffs. One minute left in the third quarter. Green Bay up 27 points to three, second and seven there. And we're going to continue talking NFL because we've got uh, coming up in the next seg, Ben Graham, our NFL expert. So we're going to get his take on how things are uh, shaking out as far as those playoff races are concerned. 24 points apiece between the Raiders and the 49ers as well in a super interesting game there. Ten and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. Who would have thought the Jared Stidham-led Raiders team uh, would be putting up this kind of a fight against one of the NFC heavyweights, the 49ers? Now, it looks like uh, Green Bay. That yeah, they're they're driving deep inside the Vikings territory as they head to uh, head closer to uh, three quarter time in that game. So yeah, it, there's a lot of fun things going on in the NFL right now. Week 17 with the playoff race 
well and truly heating up. It's Phil Pryor with you on mornings. We're going to take a break now. Don't go anywhere. We do have Ben Graham coming up, as mentioned. And if you have any thoughts on Chuck's uh, suggestion to get rid of a couple of those rules, just to tweak the big bash as far as let's to just play to the hands of the batting team, let us know what you think. 0457 736 736. Yeah, Phil Pryor with you on Mornings Filling In for Matty White today and tomorrow. Happy New Year to all our listeners out there. We've got a a major cricket story to get to very shortly. Uh, but before we do that, we've got Ben Graham on the line to chat all things NFL. Now, don't forget, of course, uh, whatever you bet on, take it to the Neds level. Gamble responsibly. Call one 858 858 Ben Graham to chat NFL Week 17 action it has well and truly heated up this morning with playoff spots on the line, uh, teams, dreams, dashed, everything like that. The Packers, they just uh, punched one in for a touchdown. They are well and truly on their way to a win over the Minnesota Vikings with Destiny now in their hands. Hello to you, Ben Graham, and uh, there have been some massive talking points. Is there any major takeaway from you this morning so far after everything we've seen? Oh, absolutely. There is, Phil. Thanks for having me on. And I hear you're a Packers fan, so you'd be jumping out of your skin right now. Packers about to win their fourth game on the trot. And they're just about to knock out a couple of teams. The Washington Commanders, after their loss to the Browns, they'll be out with the Packers' win, as will the Saints after they upset the Eagles, who are still in a fight for the number one seed in the NFC. Sticking with the NFC, the New York Giants clinched a playoff berth beating comprehensively the Indianapolis mm. Colts 38-10. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they clinched the NFC South after their win over the Carolina Panthers. And the Detroit Lions kept their playoff hopes alive with a big win over the Bears. And in the AFC, it was in the AFC East with the Patriots. They needed to win because a loss would have knocked them out, but they upset the Miami Dolphins, mm. who have lost five games in a row now. So it's going to come down to week 18 when they play the New York Jets and the Patriots play the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. So still a lot to play out in the AFC East. The Chiefs still have their number one AFC seed in the bag, depending on the Buffalo Bills match later on tomorrow uh, against the Bengals. But yes, it's uh, all and in the AFC South. It's going to come down to next week's game between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans. So it just, where do you start? Where do you stop? But there's certainly (laughs) the Packers have thrown the catapunks amongst the pigeons because the Minnesota Vikings were also in line for that number one seed if the Eagles continue to stutter. And the 49ers are currently in a fight with the Raiders, 24 apiece. So, yes, it's all going on, Phil. It certainly is, yeah. I mean, there there was... We've got a we've got week eighteen next week. The NFL they did extend the season an extra week uh, ahead of last season, and it just seemed like there there were too many meaningless games in the in the final regular season round. And already we've seen a you know a little bit of shenanigans this week. You know, for example, Trevor Lawrence he came out of that game for Jacksonville early because it really is only about. Uh, what happens next week in the AFC South when uh, Jacksonville go up against the Titans. But 
I mean, there has been just so much going on as well. And I suppose one of the, the big talking points is we see Green Bay just take another Kirk Cousins interception. Um, so Green Bay, they are just absolutely flying at Lambeau Field. But what's going on in the NFC? Because we saw the, the Eagles lose the top seed in the NFC as it stands right now. And no, you know, again, no... Uh, Jalen Hurts there, but it's 24 points apiece between the Raiders and the 49ers, one of the other top teams in the NFC, and the Vikings, they're the other top team in the NFC, and they're down by 31 points at Lambeau Field, so the top of the NFC right now is just uh, completely laying an egg. Well, it is, and and there are a lot of people that uh, don't rate the Minnesota Vikings, but they are 12 and 3. They'll move to 12 and 4, 11 one score games, which is an NFL record. The 49ers are probably the team everyone's most afraid to play in the NFC with the way that they've been going. And of course, it was only up until an hour ago that the Buccaneers sealed the NFC South. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the NFC. But I've always said I think that the Super Bowl champion will come from the AFC between the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals, but the NFL have done such a great thing by pushing so many division games late in the season. They did extend it a couple of years ago to 18 weeks, but they also expanded the playoffs. So seven teams from each conference makes it with the number one seed getting a bye. Mm-hmm. But it's, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's still, there's probably nine games next week with playoff ramifications, which is just exactly where the NFL want it to be. But when you've got quarterbacks like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, who everybody wrote off mid-season, mm. if they were both <laughs> to make the playoffs, still has to, a bit has to play out. The Seahawks uh, will win against the Jets. They play the Rams next week. And the Packers have the tiebreaker there. And the Seahawks have a tiebreaker over the, the Lions. So lots of permutations. But it's been one hell of a season, Phil. Yeah, it's, it has been a lot of fun. Now, Ben, I know you played for several teams. Great memories with the Cardinals. Who, do you have a team? Do you, do you follow anyone uh, particularly closely? Oh, I follow all my old teams closely. Unfortunately, it hasn't been a great season <laughs> by any stretch. The Cardinals, you know, 4 and 12 at the moment with yeah. a lot of injury concerns. The Lions have been good, though. I've been yeah. excited to watch them, especially in the back half of the season with a swim playoff chance but for the Jets uh, look I didn't expect them to make the playoffs this year but they're definitely a young up and coming team they can get their quarterback Mm. position right they've got Brees Hall to come back at running back they've got a good defense Sauce Gardner Garrett Wilson a high drafted wide receiver so I still hold hope that the Jets will finally again make the playoffs but it's a tough division the AFC East with the Bills the Patriots and the Dolphins, of course. Yeah, you'd think uh, the Jets just have to be interested in going after Derek Carr after what's unfolded this week at the Raiders. Uh, Derek Carr sitting for these last two games. The Raiders, they're putting up a hell of a fight against the 49ers right now with Jarrett Stidham under centre. But, yeah, the Jets, you'd think that they'd have to be in, in the, the race to secure Carr if the Raiders do want to move on from him. Well, I think that they will. I think that they've uh, he's been there long enough now and they haven't been able to to do what they needed to do when you've got a, a high-paid quarterback like that. But you're right, the Jets, whether it's Derek Carr, whether it's they put their hand in the pot for Lamar Jackson or, or another big-name quarterback. But 
you know, it's a, it's a pity that Zach Wilson didn't work out. Mike White, I don't think, is the answer either. But no. for Jets fans, it's, I know it hurts with the Giants clinching a playoff position <laughs> this year, but maybe next year for the Jets. Yeah, yeah. Now, we did see the Vikings come back from 33 points down earlier on this season for an NFL comeback record against the Colts. They're down by 31 points right now, but we, we are well and truly in, into the fourth quarter now. So it does look as though uh, we can safely say that Green Bay will win and take it through to next week at 8-8, eight and eight, uh, taking on the Lions for a chance to progress to the postseason. But Green Bay's win today will mean that the Saints and the Commanders are officially eliminated from playoff contention. So your other team there, the Saints, uh, unfortunately looks like uh, they're slim... Uh, chances of progressing through through a wild card berth uh, are uh, now over, but uh, but yeah, this uh, Detroit team that they're interesting. Oh, they definitely are. Well, on the Saints, I mean, you you knock off the number one seed in the NFC, but then you get eliminated because of other results. It's a bit stiff, but that's uh, they've had their chances in what has been a weak NFC South. But for the Lions, I mean, they were one and six after week eight, and they've gone on to win seven of their last nine. So they're one of the informed teams of the competition. And and in that two losses, it was a three-point game against the Bills. So, again, they're another team that we'll be looking forward to seeing how they go this next year if they don't make the playoffs this year. But, you know, with the Packers look like they'll beat the Vikings comprehensively, that game next week, the Lions at the Packers, it's going to be... Um, so look, good. There's a chance the Lions can still win win that game, but not make the playoffs. Yeah, because the Seahawks have the tiebreaker over the Lions. But you don't want to rely on other results. You just sort oh. of get the job done. But they're certainly uh, a well-rounded football team right now. Yeah, they certainly are. Ben Graham, thank you so much for for joining us. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to the end of this uh, week 17 slate. Uh, Pittsburgh and Ravens doing battle for Sunday night football. It's uh, yeah, it's Phil Pry with you on mornings. And just before we uh, jump back to to one last ad break in this second hour, a big big story in cricket developing as uh, mentioned off the top. Ben Horn at the Daily Telegraph reporting that. Uh, Foxtel and KO have knocked out a uh, US streaming rivals to secure uh, the cricket TV rights uh, deal for the future um, as along with channel seven in a, uh, a you know a, a billion dollar uh, bonanza I suppose that the deal is set to be announced uh, on Tuesday um, you know which I suppose completes a, a wonderful summer for Australia on and off the field as far as uh, the cricket is concerned. And, uh, yeah, it looks particularly uh, paramount. They were the ones that were coming in hot with, uh, you know, tabling a, a massive offer to Cricket Australia. But ultimately they, they decided that they wanted to stay with the, uh, you know, I suppose the tried and true model and the fact that Foxtel's, uh, you know, reach is just about second to none as far as the cricket is concerned. And, and with Channel 7 joining the fold once again, they will drop uh, their federal court legal action against Cricket Australia uh, so peace and stability can return there. This deal, it was all about the streaming. And in the end, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a massive win for Channel 7 and for Foxtel and KO. Phil Pry with your mornings back after this.
Yeah, Phil Pry with you on mornings, filling in for Maddie White. That's the second hour done and dusted on Jan 2nd as well. So one more hour coming up uh, after the top of the hour. We've got the the news and everything else, of course. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll rip into it. We've got Adam Kwasnick to chat A-League in the third hour uh, in about 15 minutes from now. So stay tuned for that. Now, there is A-League action a little bit later today to discuss so stay tuned for that. We might have to go over some of the Premier League results as well and uh, and recap some of the top stories, including this new uh, uh, this cricket broadcasting uh, deal, which uh, is being reported as of now. So a lot to unpack in this final hour of mornings with Phil Price. So stay with us. 0457 736 736. Text in if you've got any shouts for late bloomers or New Year's resolutions. Yeah, Phil Pry with you on mornings, 11.70, filling in for Matty White today and tomorrow. A big hello to all our listeners as we enter the third and final hour of mornings, nearing midday as well, Australian Eastern Daylight Time, just after 11 a.m. now. A big thank you to those that have been texting in, but we should try and get that fired up once again, or if you want to call us, one three hundred. 011170. Uh, text us on 0457736736. Thank you to Ursula who texted in. In that second hour, we were talking about, or uh, Charles, our producer, was talking about maybe some rule tweaks to uh, sort of put the big bash back into the more the, the bat, batting team's favour just to get those big totals back in the, the big bash. Average scores have been down right across uh, this, uh, this uh, current tournament. Um, so, you know, that, that's a thought Ursula on the text lines, uh, says, I don't know if this is tongue in cheek, but to take that BBL idea further, how about teams are made up just of batters who also have to bowl that should get some big hitting in. Yeah. Well, that's true. Ursula It might unearth a few more, uh, potential all rounders, I suppose as well, as well. That's, uh, one potential positive of, of looking at it. But, but yeah, Charles was talking about tweaks like, uh, removing, um, you know, the, the bowling power play and removing that uh, mid-innings break as well, which can just impact the momentum of the, the team batting, I suppose. So, yeah, I mean, off the back of the fact that there were so many runs scored in that game last night between the Heat and the Sixers, Brisbane posting their biggest big bash total, five for uh, 224 it was in the end. It was a, yeah, it was a, a massive one. So, Anyway, something to, to chew on. The other talk topic, if, for those that listeners that have only tuned in in the last hour or so, off the top, late bloomers. We saw Josh Brown for the heat last night um, go bananas at, at the top of the order for, for Brisbane. 62 runs off 23. And what a story. A, a journeyman cricketer who comes in and introduces himself on the, the national stage in a big way for Brisbane one of those great, uh, great stories. We saw Craig Simmons do it years ago with the, with the Scorchers as well, and it it has made us open up late bloomers in sport. Full stop. We had a, a great shout earlier with Cliff Young in running, uh, distance running, of course, and then I threw out well, Sinead Diver kind of fits that bill as well. Uh, the best uh, women's Australian marathon runner right now. She's forty five years of age and only emerged in her late thirties. Brandon Whedon was only drafted at the age of 28 to the Cleveland Browns, a quarterback, and he was quarterback in the, a quarterback in the NFL, not a starting quarterback for long, but 
a quarterback in the NFL for, for quite some time, up until 2018. Cody Walker, even. he And I, I suppose he is a, an option just because of the, the quality footballer that, that he became very quickly in his mid-20s. Uh, at South Sydney, Mike Hussey only emerged on the test scene uh, much later. But whether or not he was a late bloomer, though, I suppose is debatable considering that he was always a great cr- cricketer, but he was just behind a lot of great cricketers in an, an era that was just out of this world, I suppose. So if you have any ideas for late bloomers, 0457 736 736 is that text line or 1300 01 1170. If you want to call through any suggestions, uh, we certainly welcome that. Big story uh, just broke at the end of that second hour Cricket Australia, they've confirmed a new mega TV rights deal and it does not include Paramount or any US streaming giant. Uh, The battle for Cricket's TV rights is over with a deal that is set to be announced Tuesday. So tomorrow, Foxtel and KO and Channel 7, they are the winners ultimately. Uh, Now, streaming was the, the, the big conversation as far as this TV rights deal is concerned. So it's a massive win for KO and Foxtel and uh, big numbers, of course. Paramount, they tabled a $1.5 billion offer to Cricket Australia to take the uh, the streaming rights exclusively. Uh, but in the end, uh, even though that, uh, you know, that offer was higher than anything Foxtel put forward, Foxtel, they've got the reach. They've got the familiarity with viewers and fans and ultimately... That's what did it. Channel 7, they're in the reckoning as far as free-to-air is concerned as well. And Channel 7 will drop its federal court legal action against Cricket Australia immediately. So it's back to business for 7 and CA after, you know, all of that from the last couple of years, which, uh, which well and truly blew up. So Channel 7 remain one of Cricket Australia's key partners there, um, you know, after plenty of tense times, I suppose. Um, so there you go. So Channel 7 and Fox Sports, the the arrangement which we have seen over the last couple of years will remain largely the same. So Ben Horn and the Daily Telegraph reporting that and we'll just have to, uh, you know, I suppose stay tuned for, uh, for those details to become official. Uh, it's believed that, uh, that essentially on the eve of the, the Sydney test that will become um, you know, that, that all will be confirmed according to Ben Horn's reporting. So another massive win for Australia as far as cricket is concerned this summer. It's been a good one for them on and off the field. And let's hope it can continue in Sydney. Let's hope it can then continue into February over in India. We'll have to wait and see. Now, the NFL, that continues to unfold for week 17 and there's been so much action unfolding over the last couple of hours as I've been uh, broadcasting on mornings. The Seahawks, they're going to beat the Jets, and that's massive. Both of those teams went in seven wins, eight losses. The New York Jets, their run towards the playoffs is now officially over. The Seahawks, they keep their chances alive, and they get to eight and eight. The Green Bay Packers, they're going to get to eight and eight with a massive win over the Vikings. It's Minnesota with the the ball they did uh, record a 
a garbage time touchdown a short time ago, but it's 41 points to 10, the Packers over the Vikings. And I mean, this Minnesota team, it's been fascinating. They're, what is it? 20 minus 26 points differential for the year that the 12 win four loss Minnesota Vikings with a negative points differential. It's just been insane their season to date. And they were proven to be potentially a reasonably fraudulent team, but they have secured a playoff berth and we'll have to wait and see just how serious uh, their, you know, their, how serious a contender they are over the next couple of weeks. That to be played out. Packers, big winners over the Vikings. The Raiders, they are down by one point, but are still alive against the 49ers. 34 points to 33. One of the other major NFC contenders there, the 49ers. And the LA Chargers, they were big winners over the LA Rams to conclude the uh, this uh, second late slate for week 17, 31 points to 10. It's Ravens v Steelers for Sunday night football. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, just minor uh, playoff ramifications on the line for Pittsburgh uh, and the Ravens, Ravens. It looks like um, they're well and truly in the hunt. And then Monday night football, the Bills and the Bengals in one of the biggest games of the regular season. Uh, so, yeah, we're sta- certainly staying tuned for that as well. Now, we do we, we should be talking A-League pretty soon with Adam Kwasnick. So stay tuned for that. We've got Wellington up against Melbourne City at 1 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time today to continue uh, match day 10 uh, in the A-League. So, um, yeah, hopefully we're going to be chatting some A-League soon, just trying to get him on the line. But, uh, but yeah, we're just, uh, just keeping tabs on this, uh, the end of this, uh, NFL week 17 late slate action, uh, Raiders v 49ers 34 points apiece now. So the extra point is good. Whew, we have a game on our hands there. So yeah, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on that and we will continue to unpack some of the major headlines for January two. Phil Pryor with you on mornings you for mornings on SEN and uh, a very good morning to all our listeners. Nearly midday though, Australian Eastern Daylight Time. We're into the final hour of uh, of the show for mornings as well. Um, so yeah, stay with us and 0457 736 736 is that text line number if you want to get involved in any of the conversations that we have been having throughout the morning. Uh, now, just recapping one of the big stories uh, that that uh, is just unfolding. Uh, ben Horn from the Daily Telegraph reporting that uh, Cricket Australia have confirmed a, a new mega TV rights deal, um, including Foxtel, KO, and of course, Channel 7 as well. Uh, Channel 7 had dropped its, uh, its uh, legal battle with Cricket Australia and... Cricket Australia have ultimately turned down Paramount and the $1.5 billion offer that was tabled there. So all you need to know, I suppose, going forward is it looks as though it's going to be more, uh, much of the same in terms of what we've seen the last couple of years. Uh, the You know, the the action on, on both Foxtel slash KO and also Channel 7, um, you know, that is the, the, the major story being reported right now by Ben Horn and the Daily Telegraph. Uh, now, 
sticking with cricket, one of the big conversations we've been having throughout the morning is what's this Australian Test 11 going to look like for the Sydney Test? Mitchell Stark and Cam Green, they've been ruled out. Ashton Agar has been brought into the squad. Um, it, and he's a, a massive chance of playing in this game on the on the spin-friendly wicket at the SCG, of course. And one of the, the major pieces of contextual of, of, uh, of context that we need to weigh up as well is this tour of India, the four test tour next month, which is also going to be played on wickets where you're going to need your spinners firing. So the possibility of Australia going in, in with five bowlers is very real considering Agar is a, a bowler or potentially a bowling all, all rounder at the very least and sliding Alex Carey up to bat at number six and then you've got Agar at seven. Pat Cummins, eight. Of course, probably Hazelwood comes back into that team at nine. Nathan Lyon in the mix as well, of course, locked in. So then what's the option from there? Is it Scott Boland again? Is it Lance Morris to give him a debut? The wild thing, they call him, for sheer pace, depending on the conditions. Or do they even still bring in a, a spinner from there? Mitch Swepson or Todd Murphy, the young off spinner as well. Is it possible that we could see in this test team, Nathan Lyon, uh, Ashton Agar and Mitch Swepson, the leg spinner? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but yeah, those are the things that, that Cricket Australia and the selectors are weighing up right now ahead of Sydney uh, with that test series, of course, already secured against uh, South Africa. So there is a chance to either look to the, fu- the future future with someone like a, a Lance Morris or there's the potential to look to the future of next month and uh, and see what we've got as far as our, our second spinner is concerned. Very much fascinated to see what en- ends up happening there. Uh, a decision expected about 24 hours before that January 4, day one action at the SCG. Now, it's overtime in the NFL between the San Francisco 49ers and the Las Vegas Raiders, it looks like the 49ers uh, missed a, a field goal attempt on that final drive, which is uh, it's just crazy crazy to think that the Raiders, they decide to sort of sweep quarterback Derek Carr to the side uh, for these last couple of games, have a look at young Jarrett Stidham at quarterback and really just, uh, just focus on next year. But they've come out, Devontae Adams, their star wide receiver, he has made some insane plays and we're going to overtime in that game. So, yeah, wait wait to see what happens there. 49ers still plenty to play for because the Eagles lost earlier on today against the Saints, which uh, essentially means that Philadelphia, they still have to turn up and play and, and win next week to sew up the top seed and the bye for the first week of the playoffs in the NFC race. So a lot to play out there. The Chargers, big winners today over the Rams. The Packers... Big win, uh, big winners over the Vikings. A win next week now for them over Detroit, and they secure a playoff berth, which which looked incredibly unlike unlikely a month ago. There's no doubt about that. So anyway, we'll keep you informed there for overtime. Just continuing to run through some of these key headlines. The special K's they are set to defend their Australian Open doubles crown, uh, stating it'd be rude not to. That's what they said. Uh, the singles, their singles, uh, I suppose, uh, 
campaigns will continue to be the priorities for Nick Kyrgios and Tanasi Kokonakis at Melbourne Park. But they have confirmed that they're, they're going to run it back as far as uh, doubles goes as well. Tanasi Kokonakis, 93 in the, in the world right now. He's uh, secured a wild card to try and defend his Adelaide crown. And Nick Kyrgios also plans to play in Adelaide as well, but that is pending that ankle injury, of course, that saw him pull out of the United Cup last week. So, yeah, plenty of tennis about to hit us across the country in the build-up to the Australian Open later this month. Looking forward to that. There's no two ways about that. The Dakar Rally, that is underway as well. Two-time winner Toby Price is off to a great start. He won the prologue, uh, the Aussie that won it in 2016 and 2019. So there you go. And Premier League from overnight as well. Aston Villa on the road took down Tottenham 2-0. And then Nottingham Forest held Chelsea to a one-all draw. So some interesting and massive overnight results in the uh, in the EPL tomorrow morning 4:30 Australian Eastern daylight time it's Brentford up against Liverpool so looking forward to seeing how the Reds do there and later today in the A League 1 p.m. Australian Eastern daylight time it's Wellington up against Melbourne City and then Adelaide United hosting Perth uh, the Perth Glory at 7:45 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Now we did, we were intending to try and get Adam Kwasnick on to chat some A League, but apparently he's on holidays and potentially out of range, or that there have been issues trying to get onto him. Uh, unfortunately, uh, but no dramas and uh, yeah, no issues there with Adam. We will bring on Mark the Scotsman, our trusty panel op, and he's a, a big Mariners fan as well. So. We were going to be chatting Mariners. Yeah. Hello, hello, Mark. This hello, one. Phil. Hello, listeners. Yeah, I say big Mariners fans a stretch. Okay. I'd say I'd say they're the team I look forward to blossoming. Mariners fan. Sure. I, I, providing Jason Cummings stays a, a Mariners player for many years to come, I'll be a Mariners fan. That's okay. That's all I'll say. So your allegiance is is with the cum dog, not necessarily with the Mariners. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a Scot. I'm Scotsman through and through. So that's the main thing I'm looking for. And oh, yeah, I'll follow. I'll follow that man to the end of the world. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Yeah. No, he had a good game. Um, the Mariners beat the Melbourne victory 2-1 on New Year's Eve. Um, he could have had three. He had a goal disallowed. Um, and the Mariners look like one of the most informed teams in the A-League at the moment. There's yeah. some big-name teams. Like, I mean, Sydney, yes, they did beat Newcastle Jets 2-0 yesterday. But Mariners, the budget that they're on, the teams that they're putting together, with mm. the players they've got, it's incredible what they're doing. They just always... Um, bad above their average. Yeah, Mariners. absolutely. It's a shame they are uh, now have officially lost Grand Qual. Yeah. Um. The 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 soccer star. He's now moved Massive to Newcastle. Loss. Yeah, it, so, it is lost. He's only played. Well, he only started. Mm. I think three games, two games for for the Mariners. But they're up to second now, and and think what Qual would have done in that team for the you know the the stretch run. Yeah, it would have been good. It would have been yeah. nice. I mean, <laughs> I still think Mariners have got enough to get themselves. Into the top four for the end of the season. Yeah, I. Uh, it's hard to say with the A League at the moment because I think there's a lot of. It's a bit like the NFL. There's a lot of average teams. There's not a lot <laughs> of strength at the top, um, and there's, there's not too much at the bottom either. One interesting fact is was well, not a fact, but in 2015, the top three of the A League was Perth, Melbourne, and Sydney. Going into this week's games, the bottom three were Perth, 
victory in Sydney. Wow. So how little difference only a few years can make. I mean, said Sydney won this week. They're now up to fifth on 13 points. But yeah, Perth aren't looking too good at the moment. That is cool. That is cool. Um, yeah, very interesting. Who do you support in the Premier League, just quickly? English. Yeah. No. No one? Yeah, I'm one of those people. I'm very, very, very proudly not Premier League, which okay. is nice. So right. I follow it and I follow along a bit. But nah, no, no, no Premier League team. I don't, I don't, I don't care about the English. Fair no, enough. That's, that's <laughs> I do understand you, you've got some some mates out here in Australia right now, and you're off to watch the old firm tonight at eleven thirty. Yes. Yeah, so Celtic are playing. Andrew Postecoglou, Celtic are playing Rangers in the old firm. So they're playing tonight at half eleven. So. You you are in Australia now, so you legally do have to say Ange Postecoglou's Celtic. Ange Postecoglou's Celtic, yeah, yeah. big Ange. Um, we love Ange Postecoglou. <laughs> well, I, I don't. I'm not. I, I don't support Celtic or Rangers. And my team right. is Inverness. <laughs> Inverness. So, yeah, they're okay. one of the smaller teams. So right, I was gonna is it like Dundee or something or no? No, no, no. no. I I mean Inverness aren't are, are anywhere near as big as Dundee. We're Okay. We're one of the one of the, one of the lower teams. Not not the lowest, but we're yeah, we're mid mid, mid level in Scotland. So uh, we're not we're not performing well. But yes, no, Celtic versus uh, Rangers tonight. Uh first old firm of the year, of course. And um yeah, it's always the best <laughs> game, one of the most exciting games of the year, and it's good that there's gonna be full fans back there and yeah, atmosphere will be great. Uh, Celtic Correct me if I'm wrong. They took care of business against Rangers pretty comfortably in the first time these two teams met earlier on this season. Yes. Uh, now they're, it's Celtic's league to lose again. Yeah. Um, they're definitely a better team. Ange Postecoglou is a better manager um, than, than, than the Rangers manager. Rangers sacked their manager and they've only had a new manager in Michael Beale for uh, two games now. So uh, Celtic should win it convincingly. There's big rumours about Ange going to the Premier League. Yeah, big rumors. West Ham aren't doing well in the Premier League. David Moyes might get the sack, and if there was ever a team that Ange Postecoglou would do well at, it's West Ham. So that's the big rumor that I could see. Speak more about that. Yeah, just, well, just quickly, why West West Ham for? Oh, uh, the intensity that Ange plays. Ange Ange has his players playing flat out for seventy minutes, and by seventy minutes they're absolutely knackered. <laughs> they can't run anymore. But by that point, it doesn't matter. They're up three 0 and so the West Ham have that similar type of very fit players, very strong players. And they might not be the most technically gifted, even though they have very skillful players. And then that uh, translates to being up by a few goals after 70, 80 minutes. He makes all the subs to try and keep it fresh. Um, but yeah, Antipostal is all about intensity, intensity, yeah. intensity, run, chase, run. And West Ham have a similar th- uh, thesis at the moment. Interesting. Well, thank you, Mark the Scotsman, no for, for that. Uh, yeah, Phil Pryor with you on mornings. Uh, we'll just to get some headlines before we continue to, uh, to roll through this uh, final hour on mornings. Yeah, welcome back. Phil Pry with you on Mornings, and it's time to do Charles's Controversy Corner. Charlie, how are we? I'm well. I'm well. I'm back for my final controversy of the morning, and this one I've gone to the NFL, and I've got a bit of audio to play for you, and I'll explain a little bit more about it uh, once Ooh, we hear it. I've got a feeling I know what this is. To clarify, you said you would talk about quarterback next week. If you guys are eliminated today by what happens at 4 o'clock, is Sam Howell in consideration? We can be eliminated. Yeah, if the Packers beat the Vikings, oh, then you guys are eliminated. <laughs> now, now that's Washington Commanders coach Ron Rivera after his side lost oh, 24-10 to the Cleveland Browns. A pretty disappointing uh, game, to be honest, for a team that had a really lot to play for and have been in the playoff picture for most of the season. Um, so what had happened there was that a reporter asked me about the quarterback situation, about possibly being eliminated because of the Packers possibly beating the Vikings. Yeah. And his response was, 
if you see his face as well, just completely mystified. Like, oh, we can miss the playoffs. It's like, yeah, no, you can. I, I wonder if he's playing dumb. Me too. But I, I think where I'm taking this controversy is that every every fan on the planet always does those predictions for the yeah. AFL, the they, ladder they predictions. Do the maths. You do yeah. the maths, you know if you're in contention yeah. or not for finals, playoffs, whatever. I would think the one person who should know that is the coach of the team <laughs> should know if his team has a chance to be eliminated because of some other game. And we now find out because of your course, your Green Bay Packers smashed the Minnesota Vikings that the Washington commanders have now been eliminated from the playoffs. Pretty disappointing way to end the season. My controversy is I think that's a sackable offense for a coach <laughs> to not, know if his side was in contention to be eliminated from the players because of other games if they mm. didn't do the result. So essentially, if if we're to believe it at face value, he was coaching that whole game expecting, oh, if we lose here, it's fine. Whereas... Yep, it's a fair point. So th- that, that's why I think it's a, it's a really bad look for Ron Rivera and the Washington Commanders coaching staff that he and possibly, by extension, none of his coaching staff were aware that if they were to lose that game and a result which, let's be honest, in a divisional game, it doesn't matter how informed the teams are. It's pretty 50-50. And despite Green Bay's below-average season, to be polite <laughs> to you, um, there was still a red-hot chance to, to beat Minnesota at mm. Lambeau. That's where I think. I think it's a borderline sackable offense to wow. not know the position that your team is in. Devil's advocate is the, you know, the coach just tried to get his players purely focused for this week and, you know, take everything else out, out the window. And maybe that was the best way. I'm not even going to look at the, the, you know, the potential playoff implications and crunch the numbers and insert Alan from the hangover maths <laughs> meme. Um, you know, let's just, yeah, let's just focus about the Cleveland Browns this week and worry about everything else after that. But, but I, I do, I don't, I don't think I disagree with you because, because um, at the yeah at the end of the day, if he made if Ron R- Rivera, coach of the Commanders, made decisions out there in that game or played a certain way, thinking that there was next week as well, then that w- would be horrendous. Yeah, because this was also the first week uh, in in a while since the early days of the season, early weeks of the season, that Carson Wentz came yeah. back in as the quarterback one. What do you feel about uh, Whatever you feel about Carson Wentz, I can, I can hear Washington, that science. Washington so. are a, a depressing operation. They, they remind yeah. me in, in on-field on and off-field ways, the St. George Dragons. Yeah. Very, very mid-level sort of team. Very they, mid-level. Do they even want to win premierships or are they just trying to save their jobs as a coaching staff? Um and culturally, just a lot of things not going well. No, not at all. And I, and I thought they were great under Taylor Heineke. He had a great story coming from the XFL, uh, working his way up. Uh, played an amazing uh, wildcard game against Brady in that 2020 season. Uh, kept the job and had a great run early this year. But as soon as Wentz is fit, they sort of get rid of him. And I, I can't understand why. I think he's a solid quarterback. And I think he's better than what Wentz provides. But again, that's another decision by coach Ron Rivera that has come back to, to bite him. And I think that audio is, is pretty damning. And I think he ended his time in Carolina, uh, sort of on on similar question of coaching decision, especially with the health of 
his quarterback Cam Newton, who, yep, after you know he had that injury, was just a, a shadow of himself. Couldn't really throw it that well. Couldn't really throw himself around as much as possible. Now this latest gaff, uh, I don't know. I think maybe might be the last we see of Ron Rivera for a little while. Could be. We'll have to wait and see. I actually thought you were coming in with the uh, the the controversy that was what happened potentially on the sidelines after a a Green Bay interception and Justin Jefferson was pulling his helmet off in disgust. And from one angle, it looks very damning as though he was actually hitting his helmet into one of the referees. Uh, I, I would like to believe it was an accident, but it was not a good look either way. I, that's what I thought you were, you were bringing to the fold here. Well, now that you mentioned, I will bring that one up. Yeah. The, the, the first bit bit of footage looks like he's intentionally slamming into the back of that, that official, but look, a side angle shows that he kind of pulls it back as soon as he sees. I don't think he saw the official yeah. in front of him. That being said though, I, I think minimum he has to get some time off. Like you can't, it's like, I think that's one of the blanket rules in any sport. You just can't touch the officials, no, like, no matter what. So See, I just thought that Justin Jefferson was a Melbourne Victory fan, and he was just taking some inspiration. <laughs> no, no, the, no, that's flares. Uh, he he, he, he needs to bring the flare out in, in the middle of the field. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, to extension, Ron Rivera should be sacked after not knowing the playoff games uh, <laughs> bracket. Justin Jefferson should get time for accidentally hitting an official. Well, I mean, how long? Because they've got... Mm. They've got a game next week, week eighteen, and then it's playoff time. I'd I'll give it two weeks just so that so he a, has, to miss, a that he has to miss a playoff game, <sighs> and then Kirk Cousins has to somehow prove that that he and the Vikings aren't frauds and can win without arguably the best wide receiver in in the league. Yeah, I mean that, that that's I, I think he is. He's one yeah. of the breakout megastars in sport. Justin Jefferson, full stop. I've got him. You know, only a rung beneath. Harland and Sviantec and Alcaraz, to be honest. Yeah. I think he's an absolute superstar. Yeah. But uh, now, stretch on the text line. Hi, Phil. Do you do the Packers still have a chance for the finals? Thank you, Stretch, for asking that. Uh, I think they genuinely do. They've figured out some things last few weeks, particularly on defense. They absolutely turned up on defense today. Still got a couple of things on special teams to figure out. They just can't afford any more blocked punts um, like they did on, on that early on in that game against the Vikings. That's what ultimately cost them in the uh, divisional round of the playoffs last year against the 49ers who ended up going on to uh, make the NFC championship game. But Chuck, in a very, very, very average NFC, any team that sneaks through into the playoffs has a chance of of going on a 49ers-like run or a Rams-like run in the NFC. Uh, And the Packers are a, a as good a team as any to potentially do that or the D- Detroit Lions, the team that they face next week. Well, the Detroit Lions are also running hot as well. I think they're the informed team alongside the Jags as well. And like you said, like the NFC isn't that great. We, we all think an AFC, uh, the AFC will have the eventual Super Bowl winner. I'll also say with Tom Brady's Buccaneers, and that's my, you know, obligatory Tom Brady mention <laughs> on any program I'm on. But look, that, like they finished... Eight and eight after week seventeen, I, I think they'll probably lose to the Falcons. Um, really? Yeah, just because I'm superstitious like that. But either way, they'll go eight and nine or nine and eight, which isn't exactly a ring endorsement. But you make it in, and Tom Brady's never lost to the Dallas Cowboys in his career, and that's who they will face. Um, wow! In in the playoffs, well, and, and and host and the, host them yeah. at Raymond James Stadium as well. And 
the Dallas because, Cowboys because someone has to win the NFC South. Exactly, and the Dallas Cowboys are not the best team in playoffs in recent years. Like they've been fantastic this season, but we saw those scenes at the end of uh, their last playoff run where they completely mismanaged the clock. Should have come away with that game and. The San Francisco 49ers just held on and managed to make it to the NFC Championship game. So it really is just make the playoffs no matter what form you're in and you can beat anyone on any sort of day. And the Packers are one of those teams. They have one of the best quarterbacks the league has ever seen in Aaron Rodgers. So never know. Far out. I'm actually, after this, I'm going over to a mate's place with a couple of my old Fox colleagues. We're going to watch Sunday Night Football. Laurie Haresh, one of SEN's favorite NFL uh, experts, he's going to be there. He's a massive Cowboys fan. I'm going to have to remind him about this. Well, tell Laurie uh, I said hi because he actually taught me at school back in the day, several years back. So tell him Charles Goodsir said so, so <laughs> hi, and he'll know exactly who you're talking about. And, uh, very, very. Yeah. In- and Laurie's please just, remind him that Laurie's coming off a loss in the in our old uh, Fox uh, fantasy Ooh. championship as well. Uh, yeah, he got taken down by Mel. Um, so he's going to be, he's going to be ripe for the picking. Yep. He's going to be very kicking while he's down and emotional. Cannot wait for it. Particularly with, with all my Packers gear heading over there <laughs> after a massive win over the Vikings. Phil Pro with you on mornings, uh, more coming up after this. Yeah, hello there. Phil Pry with you on mornings. Uh, just about done and dusted before we've got Chris uh, Warren doing afternoons on SEN today. Well, hopefully he might come in for a quick chat, but uh, I saw him walking around here with a moon boot. So maybe we'll just tell him you can just take it easy, mate. Uh, get set for, for your show. Apparently he's got Dejan Vasiljevic coming in, Sydney Kings guard extraordinaire. Uh, so that that will uh, that will certainly be interesting. He is a lovely guy, and uh, the Sydney Kings, they are flying. Thirteen wins, five losses. I think it is now. I got out to the game against Tassie the other night. Uh, that was an absolute uh, bell ringer. The Kings just look so unstoppable right now, and uh, they're they're working themselves ever closer to a top two spot to finish it out and avoid that play in as well. So that's big. Uh, so yeah, a couple of big games this week, uh, as we've been sort of, uh, uh, previewing as well. They got the Phoenix and the Wildcats, uh, at home this week. So, um, interested to, to hear what Vasiljevic will have to say this afternoon as the Kings try to keep rolling Xavier Cooks. Can he win the MVP? He has been lights out and just on another level, to be fair, like, you know, there's a couple of guys in the league like Bryce Cotton and Mitch Creek. And Cooks, he, he's joined them because he just makes it look way too easy, uh, particularly inside the paint. Um, and just, you know, just uh, unguardable at times. And his speed in transition, Xavier Cooks, he's a superstar. So, yeah, the Sydney Kings, they look like they're going to be very tough to beat the defending NBL champions. Uh, so, yeah, it's if you if you haven't got, got yourself out to a game this season yet at Kudos, make sure you... Try and do that because uh, it's a it's a whole lot of fun out there. From ownership down, Paul Smith he's really uh, feeling himself right now with some of the uh, the the season holiday uh, j- shirts that he's been rocking as well. The watermelon Hawaiian shirt on uh, on Christmas Day it's been it's been going well. <laughs> uh, now the 49ers, they did end up winning that 
uh, overtime game against the Raiders, a massive interception at the end before Robbie Gold put over the winning field goal. So as it is now, I believe we've got San Fran into second spot in the NFC. Philadelphia, despite that loss earlier today, still on top. And then, uh, and then, yeah, basically you've got Philly, then the 49ers, and then the Vikings below them after their loss to Green Bay. Uh, and as it sits now with the 49ers winning, they can still, they're still in the hunt mathematically for the top seed. The Eagles would have to lose next week. So that's how it looks right now. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a fascinating uh, end to, to week 17 in the end. And I mean, I mean, it sets up for that Green Bay and Detroit game. Absolutely enormous next week. Um, there's going to be some massive games as far as playoff implications go next week and plenty of shenanigans as well with, um, you know, teams that have already secured a, a spot in the playoffs, just deciding that they're going to, uh, you know, take it easy and rest a bunch of starters and get set for the the playoffs. So it's, there's going to be so many angles to to track it all from. But look, before we get there, it's it's Ravens and Steelers, NF, uh, AFC North, uh, Derby on sun, uh, the Sunday night game. So that'll kick off in about just under half an hour's time. And then tomorrow it's Bills, Bengals, two of the super heavyweights of the NFL. They do battle in the Monday night football game and it is a Monday night football game for the ages. ESPN, they brought in Joe Buck and Troy Aikman in the offseason, the superstar commentary duo. And they've had to put up with some absolute duds on massive paychecks this year. But they get uh, they get their money's worth tomorrow because Buffalo and Cincinnati, they're going to be two of the teams fighting it out deep in January. Joe Burrow up against Josh Allen, two of the star superstar quarterbacks in the NFL. So, yeah, very much uh, looking forward to, to seeing how that one plays out tomorrow. That is going to be uh, truly something to behold, I suppose. Uh, now, we, we will be wrapping up the show very shortly. If you have any last-minute texts or things that you want to fire off before we hit over into the afternoon, 0457 736 736 is that number to do it. Any final nominations for great late bloomers in sport, text them through. Phil Pry with you on mornings. Yeah, Phil Pry wrapping up for mornings. We're about to hit the top of the hour. We're about to hit the afternoon as far as Australian Eastern Daylight Time is concerned. Chris Warren will be uh, joining you across the uh, the SEN airwaves for that. So make sure you keep those dials Tuned in, and uh, yeah, that pretty much concludes things uh, with myself filling in for Maddie White today and tomorrow. So I'll be back tomorrow uh, morning, and uh, yeah, it's been a been a whole lot of fun uh, as we witnessed some insanity unfolding in the N- uh, NFL for week seventeen, and uh, and yeah, some massive cricket headlines as well with uh, the Cricket Australia TV rights deal. Appearing as though it's uh, it's locked in with Channel 7 and Foxtel and KO and uh, not Paramount, the US uh, streaming giant. So that's a big story that's just broken. Staying peeled for what's going to happen with this Aussie test lineup, of course, as well. And uh, look, there's some, some fun games this afternoon as well in the cricket tonight. We've got Hobart and Adelaide. So Hurricanes up against Strikers in the Big Bash. 
Uh, and then tomorrow, uh, sorry, today, as far as the A-League is concerned, Wellington and Melbourne City, 1 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. So we're about an hour away from that. Adelaide United take on uh, Perth tonight, 7.45 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Brentford up against Liverpool tomorrow morning, 4.30 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Looking forward to that. And it's Baltimore up against Steelers for Sunday night football in the NFL. And then the big one, Bills and Bengals tomorrow afternoon. Cannot wait for that. So, yeah, still plenty of sport to look forward to. And I will see you tomorrow.